mind, body, nutrition, the Triple Play Podcast. Because everybody's an athlete in this game of life. Get off the sidelines. Time to get in the game. Everybody, welcome back to the Triple Play Performance Podcast. This is Dr. Mike. And today we have a special guest, Chris Burris. He's a pioneer in the field of health and a leading expert on the Nobel Prize winning molecule ESS60. You may have seen me talk about this on my social media channels a lot. This thing has shown to boost longevity. Yes, everybody wants longevity and the overall health and test subjects. So when Chris learned that ESS60 was tested by NASA and had been proven to almost double the lifespan in mammals, he made it his mission to provide the world's first nano-antioxidant and anti-inflammatory supplement to people around the world, right? Inflammation, guys, is a silent killer. I always talk about that. In addition to expanding longevity, Chris really wants to help decrease the risk and lowering the risk of heart disease, helping improve vision, improving mental clarity, lowering of blood pressure, osteoarthritis, and a whole slew of things that we can attest to with what he is talking about today with the ESS60. All right, let's just jump straight into the interview. Everybody, welcome back to the Triple Play Performance Podcast. We have another special guest today. We're going to be talking about something that intrigued me when it came across my desk, and it said that you could increase your lifespan by double. And so right off the bat, <laughs> I had to pay attention to that. And we got a special guest today, uh, Chris Burris. Welcome to the show from Houston. From Houston. Houston Dr. Yeah. Mike, uh, thank you so much for having me. And uh, uh, aloha from Hawaii. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so what, what's going on in Houston? How's Houston uh, Well, Houston's right now, I don't know if you know this. Um, uh, apparently, the virus has entirely disappeared from the state of Texas. That's what I heard. Getting rid of masks, right? Like that's, that's what I heard. That's that's yeah. what's one of the things that's happening. Uh, a lot of debate about that, even in our office, and some of it contentious. So that's interesting. <laughs> um, and uh, and we're coming off the freeze, right? So the we'll, we'll call it the great freeze of 2021. Yeah. And uh, you know, the literally in the middle of this very cold weather, right? I could see my breath inside of my home. Holy um, moly! I'm, I'm I'm thinking to my and asking my wife, hey, should we invite people for next Tuesday for a pool party? Because it was going to be in the 70s the next you know, like five yeah, days yeah, from yeah. now. So that's <laughs> so warming up. Oh, glad you guys made it out of that and everything's well with that yes oh man yeah. yeah so tell us a little bit about your story your background um i heard in a in another podcast that you did that you do improv yes i have done a professional comedy improv here in houston uh that theater is no longer around Hopefully that's not entirely because of me. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a that was a very exciting uh, time in my life, um, and and I look very fondly on it. And in fact, if you know, if I had the opportunity to do it in a very relaxed way, um, meaning like there were in that particular troupe, it, you know, there were no required practice. I'm just so busy right now. If I joined kind of a traditional troupe. You know, you've got to be there Monday, Wednesday, Friday to practice with the team. Oh, and then yeah. you've got to be committed to like two shows on Saturdays, two shows on Sundays. 
Uh, and, and I'm just not in a position to do that now. Mm. Uh, but I do, I do absolutely miss it. And, and it's an absolute joy, uh, joy to do. A lot of people think like it takes a lot of, um, thinking to do it. And it's actually the opposite. It really takes a lot of like letting go of everything, letting go of everything that you can control. Uh, because the answer to the next thing that you're going to say is held by the person you're on stage with. Mm. So I could have this busy, stressful, whatever week, and then I could get on stage and it was like just this total disconnect, um, turn off the brain and just let, you know, let content flow. Uh, and, and yeah, that was, that was an awesome time. It's all always fun though. When I share that and like, we'll say something funny and I'm like, well, so that's not, that's not how, that's not how comedy improv works. That's how stand-up comedy works. Not how comedy improv works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I took a class in college. It was called the sociology of humor. And one of the, I guess, I guess it was like a quiz or, or, or a midterm exam is we had to go to an improv uh, comedy club. And yeah, I mean, in the amount of um, difference between stand up and improv was was tremendous. I, I, I didn't even know that. And at the end, yeah. of, at the end of my class uh, that semester, I didn't find comedy to be funny anymore because we had to study it so much. <laughs> so, that was the funny thing that came out of the class. <laughs> well, and, ho hopefully that has slowly you know, kind of gone back to normal and you yeah, can no, appreciate no, no, yeah, comedy love, again. Exactly, exactly. But in that time, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't because we had to watch so much stand up and and dive into so many of the bits and just you know when you get inundated and you you dissect stuff, Break you're just like, yeah. yeah, you're like yeah, it's no fun anymore. So how did you how did, get from comedy into looking into the research and uh, of the ESS 60. Well, I can, I can say really comedy came much, much later in life. Okay. Um, I really kind of the reason we're having a conversation today is because I started a company with a business partner that I met at the University of Houston, Gokugs, uh, way the back. Other, the other the U of H, right? The other yeah, U the of other U of H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we met in physics class. Uh, he was actually working for the Texas Center for Superconductivity which is like really a, a whole structure, a, a whole um, organization built inside the University of Houston campus. And he was working for a Dr. Paul Chu, who's very famous in superconductivity world. And, and he was separating the material that we're gonna talk about today. And, and, uh, and one day at the time, the material was selling for $6,000 a gram. So one day, Dr. Paul Chu came in and was like, you're a young college student. This material is selling for $6,000 a gram. You should like, go start a company. So it wasn't, co it wasn't cocaine, right? You guys yeah, it was not cocaine. <laughs> no, cocaine was a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my business partner is from an entrepreneurial background. Okay. Uh, and there was actually another guy in the, the lab that he was working in who they started a company. In order to manufacture this molecule, you actually have to vaporize graphite. And usually you vaporize two graphite rods in an inner reactor. Okay. Um, graphite is one of the hardest materials on the planet to, to, to vaporize. So you actually have to use local temperatures of the sun. So Holy as an moly. example, there's a sight glass to watch this reaction occurring. You must have a welder's goggle there. Uh, otherwise, you will burn out your retina. Jeez. And if you remove it and just let it, let it shine on your skin, you will get a sunburn. It is literally wow. local temperatures of the sun. So I was studying mechanical engineering. They needed help like 
designing it, making the drawings for it, and really figuring out how to get all of this heat, this massive amount of heat away from the reaction point so that they could make the soot. And oh, really wow. the other business partner was supposed to stay and I was supposed to go away at some point. It happened the other way. The other business partner had a, a lot more fun college things that he wanted to do. And Robert and I really, we are the first company that still exists to deliver commercial quantities of carbon nanomaterials. And we started doing that in, in 1991. Wow. So what is ESS-60? What is that? The, and, and, and so ESS-60 fits inside this, the moniker of carbon nanomaterials. Okay. So, so back in 1985 at Rice University, they discovered the third form of carbon. We're all familiar with diamond. We're familiar with graphite. And there's a whole gamut of molecules now because of this discovery called fullerenes. Okay. And fullerenes, and, and I'm going to hold up a model here. Uh, anyone who's listening, just imagine a soccer ball where, hey. the so where the lines on the soccer ball represent the bonds between the carbon atoms. So you have a spherical molecule of 60 carbon atoms. So uh, the, the fullerenes are the most abundant fullerene is that 60 carbon atom uh, molecule, and then C76, C84, and on up. Uh, they discovered it in 1985 and won the Nobel Prize for that discovery by 1996. That's a short 11 years from discovery to actually getting awarded the Nobel Prize. The reason they won the Nobel Prize, there's a, there's a lot of factors going on here. You know, we can look from this kind of sociology perspective. We, we think about things going viral, like on YouTube and Facebook and wherever, like mm. in an online environment. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily think about things going viral in a scientific community, but this molecule absolutely went viral. In 1991, all 10 of the 10 most referenced papers, so you're publishing a paper, you got to have all these citations, right? They track those citations and then they map out the most popular citations, which papers were referenced the most. In 1991, that's the year we started the company, all 10 of the 10 most cited papers were related to either carbon 60 or carbon nanomaterials in general. So absolutely a viral scientific event was the discovery. Uh, and, and again, that's why one of the reasons they won the Nobel prize. The other reason is uh, they figured, they, they kind of said that this, that this buckyball, that's what we affectionately call it. Mm -hmm. uh, this buckyball was like a 3D version of benzene, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're familiar yeah. with benzene, benzene is a six-sided carbon ring uh, and it's ubiquitous in modern society. In fact, we don't have modern society without the benzene ring. Yep. And you, with your background, you know this, but for those of you who are listening or watching, just look around you and Everything that's plastic has benzene as a base. Uh, most medicines have benzene as a base. Detergents, benzene as a base. So we literally do not have modern society without the benzene ring. So you think about it, they thought, well, this is like a benzene ring. In fact, a lot of the chemistry that works on benzene works on the exterior of this buckyball. And so, you know, ubiquitous in society, again, that's why they won the Nobel Prize. Uh, it's also why they did a toxicity study that was published in 2012, which is probably the real reason we're having our conversation yeah. today. <laughs> in that study, uh, they and they assumed it would be toxic. It turns out benzene 
is a known carcinogen and is absolutely toxic. Right. So when it's on yeah. its own, when it's not turned into plastics or medicines or whatever useful thing in society, benzene on its own is actually very harmful and very dangerous. So they assumed that this buckyball would be harmful. Actually, they also assumed it would be a carcinogen. So they did a toxicity study and they published the results in 2012. In that toxicity study, they gave rats water, one group of rats water, one group of rats olive oil, and another group of rats olive oil with ESS-60. Now, let me kind of bring into the, the scope, what is ESS-60? So the molecule as it stands is carbon-60, and there's peer-reviewed published research that proves that when you Im improperly process carbon-60, it's actually harmful. ESS-60 is mm. C60 that's been processed for safer human consumption. So in that study, they gave rats water, rats olive oil, and then rats olive oil with ESS-60. Again, remember, it was a, it was a toxicity study. Mm. Instead of being toxic, those rats lived 90% longer than the control group. Holy so, moly. Yeah. <laughs> so just like $6,000 a gram should knock your socks off, a 90% yeah. extension of life impl implies that the average human would live 152 years. Holy that's moly. That's not the oldest human. That's the average right. human, right? So it's the single longest longevity experiment result in mammals in history. So yeah, here's another kind of viral event because that's such a remarkable result. In fact, the next best researched way to live longer is called calorie restriction. Right. And, and the, the research is very clear on this. They've done it in multiple animal models. If you reduce your calorie consumption by 30%, you can extend your life by 30%. I call this the starve yourself one third to death diet. <laughs> and usually it. when you put a flyer out, nobody signs yeah. up. I don't know, maybe it's a marketing thing. <laughs> Nobody's signing up for that. And remember, it's not one third of the classic Western or American diet right? You're not dropping that. It's dropping one third below the calories that you should consume given your BMI index, mm, right? Yeah. So this, in some cases for people who are eating, overeating, this could be a 50% drop in your calorie consumption. Again, not many people are signing up for it. And really that's just proven to be a 30% extension of life. In in the case of us, the, the My Vital C formula is actually uh, shown to show a 90% extension of life in, in this peer-reviewed published research. Wow. So what was the physiology that was happening when they when they gave it to the rats? What did they find? So there's, a, there's yeah. a number of, of theories, and I, and I like to state emphatically that people a lot smarter than me are ultimately going to figure this out. Um, there's a couple things that, that lead lend credence to this particular product. So a lot of the medical community believes that aging is an oxidation and an inflammation issue, right? right? So mm -hmm. our bodies are oxidizing and our bodies are inflamed and that's causing aging or premature aging. It's not surprising then that our product is a known antioxidant, right? There's some research that shows it to be 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. And it's also, when we start talking about inflammation, I have to be very careful in the United States because for whatever reason, the FDA has defined a conversation about inflammation to equal a conversation about disease. Right. 
This is yeah. abjectly false as anyone who's worked out vigorously and woken up the next day with some inflammation mm -hmm. not caused by disease. <laughs> so, so we know that they're not the same, but because the FDA uh, equates the two, I have to be very careful. And what I can say is that our, our product fits naturally in an anti-inflammatory diet. Those diets are associated with reduced incidences of stroke, reduced incidences of heart disease, uh, and actually with the blue zone people, people who tend to live longer than the average humans on the planet. And so that's one component. The other is, well, we can talk about some unique characteristics of this ESS-60 molecule. Yeah. One of it's, it's very small, and it can actually cross the blood-brain barrier. Oh, wow. So there are things that it could be doing in the brain. Uh, thus far, we don't have any negative reports, so we've got really strong positive reports. Uh, so it could have some positive impact there. The other is we actually do know it gets into the mitochondria, right? So we're going to go back to the fundamentals of biology that keep us alive. Every one of the cells in our body has a mitochondria component, right? That component is, is really the powerhouse of our cells. So it goes through a process called ATP that creates the energy for the cell. So the cell can go about doing whatever it does as a liver cell or as a heart cell or as a brain cell, right? So we know that the ESS-60 molecule can get into the mitochondria and we know that it in some way could participate in that ATP process. We don't know exactly what that chemi chemistry slash biology is, uh, but that's probably one of the core things. In fact, if you had a room full of, um, of physicians who are mitochondrial experts and you ask them, hey, would it be interesting to have or would it be good to have a free radical sponge in the mitochondria while it's going through its ATP process? all of them would raise their hand and say, yes, that's Absolutely. a good idea. Yeah. Because like most things, like a combustion engine or most things that we use to create energy in our modern society, there's an output that's not that beneficial, right? right? And the same thing in this ATP process, one of the byproducts is ROSs, reactive oxygen species. And it's really the thing that we, um, and that we take antioxidants for is to try and help mitigate that... Um, oxidation that occurs because of the reactive oxygen species. Um, so, so yeah, those are some of the ideas behind what are the mechanisms that are going on with the ESS-60 molecule. So has any type of uh, human clinical trials been done on it? I'm working on some early That's phase always hard, ones. right? That's always hard. Um, yeah. So, so I like this because this is, this is where you talk about the, um, the scientific process, right? And a lot of people will just say anecdotal information you just should throw out the window. By the way, without any anecdotal observations, there really no science begins right. because science always begins with a hypothesis. So in our case, uh, our most consistent testimonial is our customers take it in the morning, they report mental focus and energy during the day, and then better sleep that night. So guess what kind of study I'm working on? A sleep study, mm. right? Because that's what the anecdotal information is sharing with me. Now I'm going in to prove it. So you you come up with a hypothesis, and and actually, if you think about the study that that is relevant to the ESS60 molecule, that hypothesis was that it was toxic. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then you get a result. Okay, not only was it not toxic, those rats actually lived 90% longer than the control group. And then the next step is to have another research organization recreate those results. 
Right. To today, no one's done it. We're actually footing the bill. We're we're in the process. We're actually going through the preliminary results. They should be due in about a month so that we can actually go in and start a full on uh, study replication. Wow. Now, one thing that people a lot of people ask me is how much like, okay, great. It's a rat study and you've got a bunch of testimonials. That's anecdotal. I don't know how much credence I want to get. I, what I really want to get a hold of is a human study. Right. It's absolutely what we want to get a hold of. Again, that's why we're doing the sleep study. But it begs the question, what, what, what is the percentage of things that happen in a rat that also happen in humans? Yeah. Or like, what is the percentage of things that don't happen in rats that also don't happen in humans? And so I was, I, I was continually on a search really kind of uh, until late 2018, I think 2019, I ended up on the phone uh, with a professor out of DePaul University. And he actually takes rat studies and takes them into human trials. So I asked hmm. him this question and his response was very interesting. It's a little bit long, so bear with me. He says, a lot of scientists will hold up one particular study to you as proof that what happens in a rat doesn't actually happen, doesn't necessarily happen in a human. And that study goes like this. There was a morning sickness, sickness medication and they gave it to rats and nothing bad happened to the rats. So they went into a human trial. They started giving it to humans. Of course, pregnant women with morning sickness were taking it and they noticed that the fetuses, unfortunately, were coming out deformed, mm. some small percentage of them. And so they're like, see, here's proof that what happens in a rat doesn't happen in a human. But what, what this DePaul University professor told me, his name's actually Paul, Duda, uh, Paul Dudebeck. Um, he said that if they had looked at the fetuses of the rats, they would have noticed deformities and then they would have never given that product to women. How did they miss that? Because so <laughs> again, it was probably just a toxicity study, right? Uh, Are gotcha. these pregnant rats getting sick? Yeah. The answer is no, right? You didn't look at enough information. I can promise you anything yeah. that's related to pregnant women, they're looking at the fetuses from, from that study forward. But, but it's interesting because he's saying that what people will hold up to you as proof that you can't take what happens as a rat as happening into a human, that study was, it was a flaw. They just looked at the wrong piece of information. And this is from a guy who on a regular basis goes from rat studies into human studies. And I always think this is interesting. I don't know if you know this, that from a DNA perspective, we're closer to rats than rats right. are to humans. I yes. mean, I mean to, to mice. Yes. Right. So our intuition about like genetic applicability is actually just all wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, you, you got all this stuff and then you, you started your own, uh, own company out of it. Um, walk us through that process. Uh, because there's so many supplements on the market. One, why did you want to dive into that? And two, what do you see in the supplement industry? Because I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm in that same same boat. You know, as a practitioner, I get questions from patients. They go to a store and they're like, "There's thousands of supplements. How do I choose one? Uh, how do I know if it's a clean supplement or not? All that kind of stuff." So walk us through that. 
So uh, I, I, your question started with, uh, tell us why you wanted to dive yes. into that particular yeah. market. And what I'm going to tell you is how I tried really hard not to get into this market. <laughs> so, so basically, that study comes out in 2012. Mid-2013, we start getting phone calls and people are like, hey, how much in a dose? And you have to imagine mm. me and my business partner. We've got our carbon nanomaterial scientist hats. Yeah. We're comfortable selling, uh, you know, high quality products to research institutions around the world. Who, by the way, when they receive our material, the first thing they do is give it to a grad student or a research assistant, and they go check and make sure that what we sold them was exactly what we promised we would sell them. Yeah. Right. So there's no room to hide behind consumers who don't know what they're purchasing. Right. Sounds yep. kind of like a supplement mm -hmm. purchaser. So we're we're you know answering the phone. They're like, hey, what's in the supplement? And we're like, no, we're carbon nanomaterial scientists. You take this stuff, literally the stuff that they were asking for, how much in a dose? You put it in tires. You put it in in, in ink. You put it in batteries. You put it in photocells. You do not put it in the human body. In fact, in 2013, we added not for human consumption to all of our products. Oh, wow. Imagine, opened our doors, 1991. <laughs> there was no need to add not for human consumption all the way until mid 2013. And we added not for human consumption. Hmm. And I wanna share, it was clear that the data said properly processed C60, ESS60 yeah. is safe, right? They had injected rats subcutaneously. They had rats inhale it. They just excreted it out. Everything that they could do with rats and test subjects when properly processed, it was harmless. But there was research that showed C60 improperly processed was actually harmful. So we gotcha. could have just launched and said, hey, let's get in the supplement industry there. But we really tried not to. Like it wasn't our aspiration to be, I'm not supposed to be a supplement guy, right? So added not for human consumption to the labeling in 2013. We're still getting phone calls, two phone calls a week, one to two. And, and there are people calling up us up and saying amazing testimonials about the benefits that their quote unquote rats were getting on the product. Hmm. So they'd be like, hey, my knee pain is gone. And we're like, you mean the knee pain of your rat is gone, right? Because it <laughs> literally says not for human consumption on the labeling. <laughs> Right. Sounds like biohackers. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, and so we're going through that. That's moving forward in 2017. A guy with a really big YouTube following starts talking about all the benefits he's getting from taking it on a daily basis. And our phone goes from ringing once to once or twice a week to like 10 times a day. So my business partner and I. All right. I did some research. Um, the research didn't encourage me much. There was one particular uh, peer-reviewed published research paper that I read that said 50% of the supplements that are on the market do not have in them what they say they have in them. Yeah, that's scary. Right? It's it's really scary. And then we're like, well, do we? is that an industry we want to participate in? Like, in general, no. The answer is really no. Mm -hmm. I believe, actually, that that people become supplement guys or gals one of two ways. One of them is, is they wake up and they decide they want to be wealthy and they decide they're going to do it with supplements. Yeah. And I have no problem with people being wealthy. I That's just not how I ended up here. The other is they have a, a physical challenge, their own, maybe their own physical challenge or yeah. maybe the physical challenge of a loved one. And they do the research and they solve it with supplementation. And now they want to save the world. 
hopefully it doesn't surprise you. I am not against people saving the world. It's just not how I ended up here. I've been making this soccer ball shaped molecule since 1991 selling it to research institutions around the world so they can do ink and battery and photocell research. And then in 2012, they published a toxicity study that turns me into a supplement guy, right? <laughs> like this, none of this makes any sense. And yeah, it's like, exactly. that's why we avoided it from mid 2013 to 2017. So when our phone started ringing so much, my business partner and I, we sat down and we said, hey, like, what are we going to do with this? If we are going to go to market, we've got to ask ourselves kind of two fundamental questions. The first one is a moral question. Am I comfortable selling the product? Mm. I take it. My wife takes it. Everybody on my team takes it. Yes, I'm comfortable selling the product. And the next one is the FDA and the FTC, right? You've got to follow their guidelines and we are. And so that's why in 2018, we kind of bit the bullet and, you know, got into the supplement market that was, you know, nerve wracking. And, and, and it's been, um, it's been interesting. I'm trying to be a very, we are trying to be a very good steward to this, this, um, this formula, right? This ESS 60 molecule, and it's been a little bit disappointing because really in the C60 space, there's a lot of producers of C60 and oil, and we've tested a lot of those products. Most of them, not surprisingly, don't have in them what they say they have in them. Mm. A lot of them, a lot of them, I would say, are woefully low in their concentration. And so really, ESS60 is about properly processing it and about keeping consumers safe. So... You said that it costs six thousand dollars a gram. Uh, I'm assuming that your product does not cost six thousand dollars for people. To buy, right? <laughs> it does not, um, and the price has come down quite a bit. The manufacturing process uh, is still substantially the same. Okay, uh, we've just kind of invested in the right infrastructure so that we can make it faster and cleaner. By the way, this manufacturing process is the worst manufacturing process. Like you're literally dealing with, if you think, have you ever had to change an ink toner for mm. a printer or a copier? And like, you just bump it the wrong way and this big puff of black smoke comes <laughs> yeah. out and you're like, I'm glad I didn't wear my white shirt today, right? Yeah, white, yeah. White lab coat. Um, that's that's the material. That's the the same um, density of the material that, that we make when it comes out of the, uh, of the actual reactor. And then there's, you know, processes to separate it and isolate it and then make it, you know, turn it from C60 into ESS60. Uh, so the prices come way down. And the other thing uh, that's really important in this case is, so so if we, if we rewind way back when it was, you know, a lot closer to $6,000 a gram, one of the things that we knew in order for this product to actually get utilized, for it to have an application where people would use it, because you know, the fact that it makes better tires doesn't matter if your tires cost $10 more a tire and, you know, doesn't last that much longer. Right. Uh, in fact, we had conversation with tire companies. They're like, if you add two cents to the tire, we will not use it. Right. So, so <laughs> that's an engineering decision, you know, better inks. If your ink, you know, costs five times as much and your ink is, sure. wait, even if it's five times darker, I'm not, that's not even possible, but let's just say it was, like, okay, it's dark enough now. <laughs> like, I don't need to spend five times. Um, batteries and solar cells are another issue. There are uh, uh, applications where C60 is being used and nanotubes are being used in, in solar applications. And certainly in batteries, there's the same same potential. What's, what's amazing about this soccer ball molecule, right? So imagine that soccer ball molecule. 
Yeah. Is it's got six fold symmetry. There's six planes through which this buckyball is symmetric. What that means is it's got unbelievable resilience. Mm. You can actually take this molecule, fire it at 15,000 miles an hour, add a plate of steel. Most molecules will just shred apart. This one will compress and bounce right back. So that resilience comes into play because it also has the ability to hold electrons and release electrons. That's mm. exactly what a battery material yeah. needs to do. And because it's so resilient, you're not going to get material degradation and you're going to end up in a battery that works the same on day whatever, 3000, as it did on day one. We're all familiar with our cell phones, right? We, we get our brand new cell phone and it can last two days, maybe a day and a half, and we're excited. And then like a year and a half later, we got an ABC, always be charging, <laughs> right? That's because the lithium in the battery is actually physically degrading uh, and it's not able yeah. to hold the charge. So, so it'll probably have that application at some point. The fact that it can hold about six electrons and release them without degradation is also ties right into that free radical absorption, right? So those reactive oxygen species are negatively charged ions, and this can be that free radical sponge in, 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 you know, in the case we described in the mitochondria. So what was NASA doing with it? Uh, so NASA's done a couple things, and we've actually visited NASA. Uh, the, the most practical application uh, that I can talk about, because it was really exciting, a good friend of mine yeah. was doing a, a, a small business innovative research grant. That's a, that's a government-funded grant on behalf of NASA. Oh, wow. um, so if you take nanotubes, so um, again, imagine that soccer ball. Let's imagine we kind of break it. And we separate so the cones are, you know, the, the curved ends are facing each other. And we put a piece of graphite in between. So we have this nanotubes. Well, nanotubes are amazing conductors of heat. In, in, in out in space, you actually have to be able to warm, especially in the space suits, you have to be able to warm and cool the astronaut. And one of the challenges, if you're using a synthetic fiber, synthetic fibers do not carry heat well. So these astronauts end up with, with this mesh of water temperature controlled tubing all over the interior of their suit. Well, if you can incorporate, and this is what mm -hmm. my friend did, incorporate nanotubes into the fibers that are holding those tubes, then you could get rid of say half of the tubes because you actually end up having enough heat transfer along the material versus just out through the tubes. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. With, well, with, let me, with, let me, I'll blow your mind yeah. one more time. <laughs> so, you know, you deserve a Nobel Prize when you add a symbol to chemistry. Like, what do you mean, add chemistry. a symbol? So, chemistry now has a new symbol and it's the at symbol. And it's because of this ESS60 molecule. So, we're used to, um, like the ones the we use on Twitter. Our, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're used to that, right? On right? Twitter and our email addresses. But now this, this soccer ball is big enough for any atom on the periodic chart to fit inside of it, right? Okay. Not covalently bonded or ionically bonded to the exterior, but physically trapped inside of it. So lanthanum at C60 means a lanthanum atom physically trapped inside of it. So to blow your mind, one of the early ideas was, well, hey, what if we get a couple, as many as we can, radioactive atoms inside the buckyball. And the chemistry that works on benzene 
also works on the exterior of the buckyball. So then we can maybe add some sort of uh, protein attachment device that attaches to a cancer cell. Hmm. So now you're actually delivering a radioactive payload to individual cells. Um, that was one of the early theories. And, it, and there are actually patents related to this. Wow this ESS-60 molecule um, inhibiting the replication of the AIDS virus. So it is a known antiviral. Holy moly. Do these occur naturally in nature? They do. So if you collect the soot from a candle flame, and usually the way you would do this is you just take like a cold stainless steel plate and hold it over uh -huh. the candle flame. Uh, you'll collect that soot. That soot will have parts per million, parts per billion of fullerenes in it. Huh. So yes, it's naturally occurring. In fact, the, the whole genesis, the whole reason this molecule was discovered, one of the professors who won the Nobel Prize, um, it was Croto, uh, yeah, Dr. Her Harold Croto. He is, a, is an astrophysicist and was noticing a spectrum out in space that he could not identify. And so he kept coming here to Rice University where Dr. Smalley and, and, and Dr. Curl had a piece of equipment that could do some pretty fancy stuff. Uh, and he was like, hey, let's put this, this uh, carbon into this piece, <clears throat> into this equipment so we can see if you can create something that creates that spectrum out in space. Ultimately, it was proven, yes, that spectrum out in space, there's gobs, there's tons of, uh, of C60 out in space. Wow. <laughs> Holy moly. With, with taking this, what are your theories? How long can a human live? Well, that's a great question. So um, not just by taking this, I think we can live forever. And I think the evidence that I get, there's a book called Lifespan. I don't know if you've read it by uh, Dr. David Sinclair. Yep. yep. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal book, right? And, and his theory and his example is if, if I can take a Dr. Mike cell and I can pull DNA out of it and I can go clone a baby Dr. Mike, right. right? Then you have in your body everything you need to be younger. Hmm. We just got to figure out how to manipulate the system so that we can make that happen. Now, that's a trivial, pro that's a non-trivial process, obviously, but if you think about how quickly things are changing, right? And a lot of people are like, oh, things are changing so quickly. It's just hard to get my head wrapped around how quickly they're changing. Yeah. I've got some really bad news for you. The rate of change will never be slower than it is today. What do you mean by that? So tomorrow, things are going to be changing faster than they are today. Right. And the next day, faster and faster and faster and faster. Because, I mean, one, it's like population related, it's internet related. So we can actually have incredible mitochondrial experts on opposite ends of the planets who are the creme de la creme of their, of their science. Maybe one happens to be in a small village and one's in downtown New York City, but they can now collaborate on projects. That, that couldn't happen before. If you think how, yeah, think just yeah. in terms of tell telecommunications, how quickly we went from, you know, whatever, smoke rings, right, mm -hmm. with a wet blanket, and then boom, we've got a telegraph, and then that becomes a telephone, and then that's a cell phone. Like, how quickly did we go from cell phone to smartphone? Yeah. Like, those devices are worlds apart, and it happened a lot faster than we went from telegraph to telephone. So, so yeah, it's going to be faster, and that speed is obviously going to have an impact of how quickly we're going to learn to pull these levers. 
Interesting. Interesting. Last couple questions. What are your top daily health practices? Okay. So um, I have gotten in the habit of exercising five days a week. Uh, so I jog three days and I have a personal trainer on two days and I'm really doing kind of free weights. Uh, I do a little bit of dumbbell work, but it's a, it's a consistent um, workout five days a week. I've actually been doing that for like the last six months. Haven't felt better. It's just, it's just amazing. Sleep. So we haven't actually talked about much of the benefits. So, you know, a lot of people are, might be kind of in the biohacker sphere and go, okay, those rats live 90% longer. Like how do I, again, how, yeah. you know, how much in a dose, right? <laughs> um, but it turns out that we get a lot of positive testimonials about the product and a lot of reasons that you should take it. So if you ask me kind of my routine, one of them is working out, one of them is sleep related to the product. Um, and then one of them is just my routine. So I, I do a bulletproof coffee uh, kind of scenario in the morning, which has MCT, but we actually have an MCT product that has our ESS 60 molecule in it. So oh, wow. add the bonus of the ESS 60 molecule to the benefits of a bulletproof coffee. Um, and then while that's mixing, I'll actually take a teaspoon and a half of our olive oil product. Our olive oil product is the one that we recommend that you start with. And the reason is, is First and foremost, we're scientists and the actual research was done on olive oil, not MCT oil, not avocado oil. We only have those because our clients are very interested in having them. Mm. And then the next is you actually can't get much of the ESS 60 molecule to dissolve in any of the oils. You can get about 0.8 milligrams per milliliter uh, in olive oil. You can get about 0.6 in avocado oil and you can get about 0.3 in MCT oil. Right. So if you're looking for the bang for the buck in terms of the ESS 60 molecule, not only is that's where the research is, but the ESS 60 molecule is you've got a much higher concentration in, in olive oil. So I'll, I'll take that teaspoon and a half. And typically our, our recommended serving is one teaspoon or five mils. Uh, I'll take a teaspoon and a half. And then when I have a salad, which is very often for lunch, I'll actually put our avocado product on our on my salad. Oh, nice. And then. Um, and then I do intermittent fasting on Mondays and Tuesdays. So like coming off of the weekend where I've been cheating a little bit, okay. sometimes a little bit more than a little bit. Um, I do a, a, about an 18 hour fast on Mondays and Tuesdays. Awesome. Where can people get this stuff from? All right. So we actually made a URL. Let me let me share this and then I'll share a couple of kind of the stories of yeah. really myself and then then my customers. Cool. Um so we made a URL for your audience, myvitalc.com forward slash triple play doc. And that'll get them to, to our, our your page, really. Cool. Uh, and there they'll find this bottle. We actually have a really convenient um, uh, single shot version. So this is uh, for those of you listening, I'm holding up a little kind of plastic ampule that holds exactly five mils, one teaspoon. Uh, so you can take this on the go. That package comes with exactly 30. It's important. The bottle is about $100. Um, if you go on subscription, you can get it for $74.95. That's a 25% savings. Um, do that. Take advantage of that savings. You can cancel that at any time. We've also added a coupon, uh, and the coupon code is trip, also triple play doc, and that'll get you an additional $15 off of your initial order. What should, which one should they start with? I would say, um, well, it doesn't really matter bottle versus the single shots. 
because it's the same product. Yeah. It's just like one is in okay. a more convenient packaging. Um, the, of course, the more convenient packaging is a little bit more expensive. Um, but you know, I, you know, as a, I'll probably end up sending you a sample if you're yeah. interested, and I'll end up sending like a 30 day pack uh, and a bottle for you to try. Very cool. Very. And, cool. and do you have any pets? I do. I have a cat. A cat. So yeah. I'll send you. We have a cat and a dog version also. Uh, so I'll send you a cat version. You know, and that's that's a whole other industry is supplementation for animals. Well, so <laughs> this is one of my favorite testimonials. By the way, I haven't I haven't done this yet. The FDA has not evaluated our product. It's not intended to treat, diagnose, cure, or prevent any disease. Right. Uh, the testimonial that I want to share is it's actually one of our larger distributors here in Houston. Her name's Gwen. She originally bought the product for her dog. Hmm. And she noticed such a big difference in her dog that she started taking the product herself. Um, and then her testimonial is interesting because a lot of people ask, like, how quickly can I expect results? And she's like way out there. I'll, I'll get to it in a second. Hmm. It's important to note that dogs are not subject to the placebo effect. Yeah. So the dog doesn't think, oh, I'm taking this product today. And so I should be younger and healthier today. They can't trick their own brains to, to actually be peppy enough for Gwen to decide to take the product. So that's a really important thing to note. Gwen, and I actually did a video with her and she would tell you, you know, at the three month mark that she would have said, oh, I haven't really noticed anything except she stopped. And she was like, you know what? Um, I'm working a little bit later than I usually do. I'm getting up earlier and I've never been a morning person. And then she shares, and I always say, like, this is the worst possible testimonial for a supplement. She says she cleaned her garage. That's how you know, that's how you know, right? When people clean their garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it means something, right? Yeah, it means yeah. more energy. Yeah. Maybe it means enough mental focus to like, I deserve finally to have the garage clean. So it's so subtle. Uh, it's certainly not on any of our literature. Um, but that gives you an idea of like some time frames. We have like in my case, I played soccer for 25 years uh, and I had a knee pain from the point that I quit soccer until 2018. When I started taking the My Vital C formula on a regular basis, that knee pain went away. Our customer's most consistent testimonial is take it in the morning, mental focus and energy during the day and better sleep that night. I'll talk about my sleep here in just a second, but I want to point out how very different from the $2 billion sleep aid industry. And I'm going to do air quotes, mm. sleep aid industry, our product is. So those sleep aids that are prescribed, they, they are, I, in my opinion, dangerous. And here's why. And yeah. actually they're also in the opinion of Dr. Matthew Walker, uh, who wrote a book called why we sleep phenomenal book, go read it. So you can scare yourself to sleep mm -hmm. regularly because it's important. But he says that these quote unquote sleep aids, they knock you unconscious. We have a chemical in our body called adenosine. And as it builds up, it causes us to desire sleep. These sleep aids knock you unconscious. You wake up with that chemical pressure adenosine relaxed. So you don't desire sleep, right? So that seems very refreshing. I wake up and I don't feel like I need to sleep. But what those depressants do is they don't let you get your REM or your in-REM sleep. Very right? important. Those are the most yeah. healing and restorative medicines you can possibly have, REM and in-REM sleep. And those quote-unquote sleep aids uh, interfere with that. 
our product you take in the morning, mental focus and energy during the day, and then our customers report better sleep that night. I'm only aware of two other things that can positively impact sleep when you do them in the morning. One of them is, uh, is actually exercise. If you exercise in the morning versus not exercising in the morning, yeah, that will positively impact your sleep. And the other is just getting exposure to sunlight so that you get your body's circadian rhythm in line yep. with the rising and falling of the sun. Other Very than that, important. And certainly yeah. in the supplement realm, I've never heard of anything that you take in the morning and positively impacts your sleep. Interesting. Interesting. And then, and then let me share my sleep uh, study. I shouldn't be so like excited about sharing it because I have <laughs> to start off with first, I have to embarrassingly admit I used to take two naps before noon on Saturdays and Sundays. Before noon? Before noon. Oh <laughs> you have the appropriate reaction and should be sleep shaming me. Uh, and and that's that would be appropriate. Basically, I would wake up early with my kids. They would sit on me and watch cartoons yeah. and I would sleep, right? So nap number one. Okay. Then I would get up and have breakfast and then go back to sleep, nap number two. Since 2018, I probably take five naps a year. So wow. not two a day on Saturdays and Sundays. I'm not saying like, I don't need naps. Every now and then I need a nap, but it it is drastically reduced, uh, increased my energy. And, and I'm still in the situation, not anymore, but my, my kids are 10 now. But I, you know, shortly after in 2018, I would, I'm taking the product and I'm still on the couch watching cartoons with them. Hmm. I'm just not falling asleep. And this is kind of the driver. I'm like, I probably did things like clean my garage. I didn't specifically clean my garage, but like you have that, like take, give, give me the time that I was napping back and I get things done yeah. now. So that's, that's the sleep testimonial that I, uh, that I share. That's awesome. Uh, so where can they get this again? Repeat that again. Yeah, sure. So it's myvitalc.com forward slash triple play doc. Awesome. And again, go on subscription. Our team is not trained to talk you out of canceling your subscription. We have like 500 five-star reviews on Google. Uh, they're it. a good Love staff. It. They'll help you out. You can cancel at any time. Just take advantage of that discount. Uh, and then also take advantage of the additional $15 off by using the, the coupon code triple play doc. Cool. Cool. Chris, thanks so much for being on the show today. Uh, Dr. Mike, thank you so much for having me. Hey, if you've enjoyed this podcast, leave us a five-star review. Connect with me on Instagram at Triple Play Doc. Stay tuned for more episodes. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell the entire world. Till the next episode, be well and aloha.